This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. Uh, We have been in the book of Psalms this summer, and we've not been going uh, chronologically through the Psalms necessarily. We've been uh, kind of picking uh, through uh, some of the Psalms. And uh, we're going to be in Psalm 25 today. Our, our, our series title has been A Soundtrack for Life. And we believe that God has a songbook. And he penned it through David and other writers here in the book of Psalms. And so uh, we get our philosophy of music and worship through the book of Psalms. Um, and we get, we get a lot that we do in our private worship and our public worship straight from this book. And so uh, today's sermon is from the 25th Psalm. It is a psalm of David. And I've entitled today's message, Prayer, Praise, Meditate, Repeat. Prayer, Praise, Meditate, Repeat. I hope that it speaks to you today. Um, many of the Psalms have uh, meaning, like for instance, this is the 25th Psalm, the 22nd, 23rd, and 24th Psalms all have uh, more of a salvific meaning. They have more of a, a focus on the cross and a, a kind of a precursor to Christ. And this one uh, doesn't necessarily, this Psalm speaks for itself. There's no uh, necessarily symbolism here. It's straight David writing what he's thinking and what he is going through. And I've enjoyed my look at this uh, throughout these several weeks now that we've been in Psalms. And so we're going to begin reading in Psalm 25. We're going to read the first 10 verses. We will not read the entire Psalm, even though it's only 22 verses long. And I would consider, uh, I would consider if I were you reading that uh, later today or, or whatnot, or while I'm preaching, you know, whatever you're going to do. Uh, but if you have your Bible with you, great. If you don't, Uh, Words will be on the screen. Psalm 25, beginning in verse 1, David says to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Let those be ashamed who deal treacherously without cause. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day long. Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindnesses, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth nor my transgressions. According to your mercy, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he teaches sinners in the way. The humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. Heavenly Father, speak through your word today. Illuminate your word in our hearts. God, remove anything from my sermon and the things that I've written down to say today that would hinder your word from penetrating the hearts of those present today. God, I pray that we would leave here today not going, oh, what a sermon, but oh, what a Savior. 
that we would leave here today not focused on the deliverer of the sermon, but focused on the one who delivered us from our sins. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for loving us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. This psalm, just some background here, uh, Psalm 25 is the first a psalm. They call them uh, alphabetical psalms. In fact, the one that's the most popular is Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is divided into sections. And each one of those sections begins with the following letter of the Greek alphabet. And so it was a way um, back in the day, sorry, the Hebrew alphabet. Back in the day, it was a way for them to uh, help memorize the psalm better and help remember the psalm better. This is the first one on a much smaller scale than Psalm 119. By the way, I know several of you are waiting for the Sunday that I tell you that I'm going to preach Psalm 119 so that you cannot be here. All right, so I understand. Um, we're going to actually, on that Sunday, we got you taken care of. We're providing a dinner, and we're providing lunch, dinner, and then Monday morning breakfast um, for everybody in attendance. Psalm 119, there's only, what, 176 verses in it. And so I'll, go, I'll be going verse by verse through it. It'll be good. And um, you guys will love it. You guys will love it, I promise. But this is similar to 119 just in that, is that it was penned uh, with the alphabet, the Hebrew alphabet, um, in mind. Psalm 34 is another one. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's a popular uh, psalm. That is one that's also written that way. And, and people believe that it was either for encouraging memory or others believe, and I love this, this kind of pays homage to the relationship that scripture has with art and with music and with the, the creative expression of the writer. And, and I love that. I love seeing the creativity uh, through scripture. But the theme of this psalm is the title of my message today. And it seems that David goes through these cycles in this psalm of prayer and praise and then comes back and meditates on a truth and then prays and praises and comes back and meditates on a truth and continues to do that. And can I say that while it is obviously the theme of today's sermon, I believe it should also and could also be a very good theme for you in your private worship and your private time with God that it involves prayer and praise and meditation. And you say, Josh, like, you know, meditation kind of scares me. That's kind of like an Eastern religion type thing. And uh, actually, meditation is not an Eastern religion type thing. It's actually a Bible type thing. The Bible speaks on meditating often. Sure, other people have used that, but the Bible speaks about meditating often. And I do this uh, I don't meditate quite a bit. I need to do this more. But I do this often for us because meditation involves silence and quietness and focus. And so as we pray and we let out our petitions to God, God, please heal my son, heal my daughter. God, please heal my aunt or my uncle. God, please be with my friend at work that's going through a difficult time. God, please be with that family that just lost a loved one. God, please, we pray. And then we praise, God, I know in the past you've come through. God, I praise you for what you've done in the past. I praise you for healing my son uh, three years ago. God, I know you can do it again. God, I, I praise you for mending a relationship in my life. Uh, last year, I know you can mend another relationship. God, I praise you for who you are. But then, this right here. Thinking about 
To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Oh my God, I trust in you. We don't like it. Some of y'all can't handle the silence. I know, I'm in connect group with you. Sometimes we don't like silence. We can't handle the silence. And David meditated. And what all meditation is, is a quieted focus on a truth. Sometimes it's a quieted focus basically on nothing, cleaning out your mind and your heart. But meditating upon scripture. Some of you meditate during my whole sermon. Uh, you have your eyes closed and your head. And it's, it, you're, you're in agreement while you're meditating there because your head does like this. Like... Every time I make a point, just kidding, I'm messing with y'all. Just messing with you. Brian, you still here? All right, cool. I just want to make sure Brian didn't get up and leave. All right, good, good, good. But can we jump into this psalm today and let's, let's, let's look at the personal thoughts that David had. And let's just keep in mind, and, I, and, and this is the theme of it, but as you go back through and you study Psalm 25, you'll be able to see uh, that cycle come through. But let's see what David pens in this psalm of reflection, this psalm of forgiveness. Verse, point number one is the affirmation of his faith. The affirmation of his faith. Verse one, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Oh my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Let those be ashamed who deal treacherously without cause. I find it interesting that of the many psalms that we have already studied since the end of May, that David tends to do this over and over again. You know what he does? He affirms his faith, his belief, and his conviction in his Lord and his Savior. He affirms that. He begins this psalm by declaring, I lift up my soul to you, and oh God, I trust in you. And you say, yeah, I get that. I mean, I I believe in God. I I lift my soul to God. I I trust in him. Well, David seemed to think that nearly every time he penned a psalm, that it needed to begin or end with an affirmation of his faith in God. I, I find that interesting. It's almost as if David in the trials of his life continue to focus him into a, force him into a posture of, Focusing on his faith in his Lord and his Savior. And, and can I say this? I pray that God doesn't need uh, you know, the king of the, of the country to be coming after me, to kill me, uh, to force me to a point where I will focus my attention on my Lord and my, my Savior. But David seems to do that. And can I urge you this morning, Christian, to continually reaffirm your faith in your Lord and your Savior. You say, Josh, how does that, what do you mean? How does that work? Well, it can be through spoken words and in prayer. Part of your prayer time to God should be, God, you are the God of my salvation. You are my hope, my eternal hope, everything from life to death. You are my hope in everything today and tomorrow. You are my 100% eternal hope. I declare my faith and my trust in you, It could be through spoken words and 
prayer. It could be some of you that maybe don't like that or, or, or do that. It could be in maybe journaling. I, many people are, are journaling and got into writing and things like that. Journaling your prayers and writing those things down. In fact, they say oftentimes a way to get through grief or other uh, maybe uh, mental struggles in your life is to document and write some things down. And so if that's what speaks to you and that's how you deal with that, I would, I would encourage you through journaling to write down and affirm your faith in your Lord and in your Savior. Maybe it could be in speaking those things to yourself, looking yourself in the mirror and saying, Josh, you are a child of God. You are bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. You have been redeemed from your sinful state, and you have now been made joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And Josh, today, live like you are a child of God. You say, Josh, that kind of, that's kind of awkward. Well, here's the thing. Oftentimes, what we tell ourselves or what we allow ourselves to be told winds up turning into a reality in our lives. Can I give you an illustration? Today, I'm having a bunch of people over to my house. By the way, you're all invited. Come on over. All right. I can look at that one of two ways. I can look at that one of two ways. One way is, oh my goodness. Like, there's going to be people walking on the floor. It's going to get dirty. Oh, are we going to run out of toilet paper? I got plenty. Uh, oh, no, like the AC, we're going to turn it on, but the doors are going to be open and coming in. There's going to be a lot of people there. Oh, it's going to get so hot in there. Oh, my goodness. Oh. And I can, go, I can go to my family today and go, oh, man, there's so many people coming over today. Like, oh, right? Or I can say, guys, listen, like all your friends get to come over today. Everybody gets to come. We're going to hang out. We're going to have a great, it's going to be so good. We're going to have so much fun. I love people. I love all of you. Come over to the house. It's going to be great. Right? I can't, let's be real. Whichever way I tell myself, that's going to wind up being my mentality for the rest of today. If, if, you're, if you're a parent and your child goes into school, I'll use this as a radical illustration, but I, think it, I don't think it needs to be as radical. Your child goes into school and they have a big test. Instead of going, oh no, you have a big test. Oh my goodness, you better study for hours and hours and hours. You have a big test. There's a lot of pressure on you right now. Oh my goodness. And your kids are like freaking out and they got like a spelling test. Instead, hey listen, you have an opportunity today. Now listen, whatever happens in a spelling test doesn't change who you are. You're an intelligent, awesome kid. But you have an opportunity today to show your teacher how much you've learned. Like seize the opportunity. You know this stuff. Seize the opportunity. It's all in, a lot of times, how, y'all, y'all wish I was your parent, right? Y'all wish I would have raised you, because my parents didn't do that either. But, um, but, <laughs> but it's all in a mentality. A, a sports team can go into a game and go, there's no way we're ever going to win this game. And you know what? They're right. Or a sports team can go in and go, hey, everybody says we ought to lose this game. And if you look on paper, the numbers say we ought to lose this game. But we just believe if we come out and we play the best that we can play and the ball bounces our way a couple of times and we get a couple of favorable calls from the zebras, we believe that we can win this game. You know, at the end of the day, what you tell yourself can oftentimes turn into your experience. David in Psalm 22 says, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly of people, I will praise you. David said, I want to declare in front of people. I want to openly declare my praise. 
my declaration of who my Savior is. Psalm 118, I will praise you, for you have answered me and have become my salvation, David. And I picked two verses. I mean, you guys know, I could spend hours going through the verses in the book of Psalms where David declares his praise to his God. Let me encourage you this morning to take some time to make some declarations of your faith. It will help you. Make some time to make some declarations of your faith before you go to work. And it may help you stand against the wiles of the devil that day. Make some declarations in the morning before you head off to your day. And and maybe, just maybe, your negativity will turn into positivity. Or maybe, just maybe, the things that would have derailed you on a normal day, well, now you will stand strong in your faith throughout the day. I'm not a spooky person. I'm like the opposite of a speak it and it'll happen. I'm not that guy. But I do believe in the power of the mind. I do believe in what we say to ourselves affects how we view upcoming events. I do believe that. That's why young young couples that are about to get married, the thing that I hate about this, and this is just... My opinion, young couples that are about to get married and they go into work and they tell their people, the people at work, hey, I just got engaged. And, all, and immediately, all the jokes and all the negativity and, oh, you signed your life away. You understand what you did, right? Like, uh, it, It's just the mentality that gets inside of people's heads. And I urge you to affirm your faith as David does over and over. Secondly, this morning, I want us to see the apprehension of God's ways. The apprehension of God's ways. Look at verses 4 and 5. David says, show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Spurgeon said these were the three classes in the school of grace that we need to be taught by our Lord and by our Savior. And that is show Show me, teach me, lead me. Hey, show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth. David was a work in progress. Think about the life of David from a young man with so much potential. A young man who defeated the giant Goliath who became king who the people cheered him above the king to a man that after he holds that title commits great sin adultery that leads to murder a man whose life went from mountaintop to valley as as a result of that sin David goes through a deep time of guilt and depression loses a child loses his his family but then that great god who brings him back and in his grace calls him after all of those things calls david a man after his own heart and restores him back you see david need to be needed to be taught he needed to be shown he needed to be led and can i say this that we need to always be apprehending learning apprehending God's 
ways. David sought out God and asked Him to teach him and show him and lead him. And I would say for us today that there needs to be a time in our, in our spiritual and Christian lives when we say, God, I want to, to, to learn You. Please, God, show me who you are. Show me how you are. Show me what you do. I want to learn. Lead me. Teach me. What would you think in this scenario, God? Not what was culture say. What do you think? God, how would you have me respond to this situation? God, my family life is this, and my husband says this to me, and and I want to respond with that, but God, what would you have me to say? I go to work, God, and and this coworker of mine, he says this, and and he's trying to incite me and trying to get me, and God, what would you, how would you have me react? God, please show me, teach me, lead me. What do we do, though? We don't say this because... We don't say, hey, God, I'm ignoring you right now. I'm just going to fix this myself. We would never say that because in saying that, we actually wouldn't be ignoring God. We actually ignore him. Like, we don't even consciously say, all right, God, sit this one out. I got it. But that's just the way we live. That's just the way we live. We live as if, God, I don't need you to show me. I don't need you to teach me. I don't need you to lead me. Thank you for saving me. I'll see you in heaven one day, but I'm good, and I'll figure this out on my own. No, we need, the, we need the mentality of, I want to learn who you are. I want to learn your nature. I want to learn who you are and your goodness and your glory. And I want to live that way. I want to live through that. Show me, God. Teach me. Lead me. Uh, just this week, I was having a conversation, and Jeff and I were talking, and we talked about how we probably talk on the phone two or three times a week, and, and we just talk about ministry things and how we can do things better and questions and, and, and what has happened. And the goal of that relationship is that over time, we will have learned each other and led each other enough that Jeff doesn't even have to ask me some things because Jeff already knows exactly what I would say about this. And on the flip side, I don't have to ever go to Jeff and say, Jeff, how should we deal with this? Because I know because we have been teaching and leading and and instructing one another and learning each other and showing one another. I will be able to speak on his behalf and he'll be able to speak on my behalf because we've gotten to know each other through our relationship. Well, that's what it looks like with God. I want to learn God and be shown him and be led by him enough that when I have to speak on his behalf which is a tough thing to do every Sunday, that I can say, I know what God would say about that. I know what he has said about that. I know the way he feels about that. I want to learn. I want to be shown. I want to be taught. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, a, an obvious verse for this, but Paul says that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection in all the mountaintops. Amen. But that I may know him also in the fellowship of his sufferings. God, I want to know you. At the end of the day, I don't want to get to heaven and have to be introduced to a stranger. God, I want to know you. I want to know you. The apprehension of God's ways. Are you a teachable Christian? Are you always learning 
Christian. I don't mean academically. I don't mean theologically, even though those aren't bad things. I mean God himself. Your personal relationship with him. The apprehension, the affirmation of his faith, the apprehension of God's ways. But thirdly, I I want us to see the reminder of mercy and kindness. Look at verse 6. Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindness, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth nor my transgressions according to your mercy. Remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. Notice the three remembers that he says here. The first one, he says to remember your mercy and your loving kindness. And boy, if I could echo an amen right there on David. Lord, please remember your mercy and your loving kindness in dealing with me, the idiot. Sorry, there's kids in here. I said the I word. I apologize. All right. In dealing with me, the fleshly human being that oftentimes walks after my, after my flesh and not after the spirit. God, would you remember your mercy and your loving kindness to me? Your mercies are new every morning, scripture says. And God, there was this morning and there's tomorrow morning. I need you to book in today with your mercy because I make mistakes and I sin and I, and I come short every single day. God, please remember your mercy and your loving kindness. Second remember, he says, was do not remember the sins of my youth. And can I just stop for just a second and go, amen. Dear Lord, please forget ages 11 through 19. Uh, Let's go up to 22. All right. uh, (laughs) If you could forget those 11 or 12 years, please just blot them out. He has through the blood of Jesus. But he says, remember your mercy and your loving kindness, and remember not the sins of my youth. How many of you are thankful that God can put your sins out of his memory? Raise your hand. I hope we all are. Man, I mean, my list would be long. And I've known some of y'all long enough where you could probably add things to my list I forgot I did. I went to high school with some of y'all. I apologize. And y'all still in my church, man. That is the Lord. Anyway, anyway, the Lord is good. His mercy is new every morning. But he says to remember your mercy and your loving kindness. God, remember that. God, please do not remember the sins of my youth. And then he makes an interesting statement. He says, according to your mercy, remember me for your goodness sake. Notice... David did not want God to remember his sins, but he wants God to remember him. And how is that possible? It's possible because of the blood of Jesus Christ. It's possible that God can remember me and not remember my sins. It is very possible, and that is because when we were saved, we were given the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. And I can't explain this to you logically. And this makes sense only in the faith community. This makes sense only if if we have a biblical viewpoint of our lives and a gospel focus in our lives. But when God looks at me in the flesh and the sin that I am, he sees 
Jesus Christ and his righteousness. I can't explain that. But you know what? I don't really need to. The Bible is clear on it, and I'm thankful for it. I love the illustration right here. And and honestly, until I dug into this, this psalm and was studying the psalm, it didn't hit me. But this is David explaining the transaction of the gospel. And that is, God, you're merciful and you're loving. God, don't remember my sins. Blot them out. But God, remember me. Remember me. That's kind of the salvation road, isn't it? God, you're merciful. Show me mercy. I deserve hell. I'm a sinner. God, I'm a sinner. I deserve hell. Show me mercy and loving kindness. God, please don't forget my sin. Don't, don't remember my sins. Forget my sins. Forgive my sins. God, remember me. And I love the terminology that he uses. According to your mercy, remember me. For your goodness sake. Not because of anything I've done. Not because of any good work that I've accomplished. Not because of any money that I've given. Not because of any Sunday school class that I used to teach back in the day. Not because I was raised in church. Not because my mama or my daddy or my grandpa or my grandma. No, remember me for your goodness sake. God, remember me. But don't remember me in my sin. Remember me in your mercy. If you leave with nothing else today. God, don't remember me in my sin. Remember me in your mercy. At the end, I'll tell you a little bit more about that. Lastly, this morning, I want us to see the humble conclusion. The humble conclusion, verse 8, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he teaches sinners in the way. The humble he guides into justice, and the humble he teaches his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. To such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. The humility shown by David. In fact, I believe he defines humility in verse 8. In verse 8 he says, good and upright is the Lord. Can I submit to you today that humility begins with a proper view of God. That is the beginning of humility. Pure, I'm sorry, good and upright is The Lord, and then he comes right after that and says, Therefore, he teaches sinners in the way. You see, the second part of humility, the first part is 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 seeing God, a proper view of God. The second part is a proper view of yourself. And he says, God, you are good and you are upright, and you teach sinners in the way. The humility. The explanation of what humbleness uh, looks like and explained here by David in this psalm. Humility is possessing a proper view of God and a proper view of yourself. And when you get either one of those out of, out of whack, you're living a life of pride. If you view yourself more highly than you ought to think this morning, then you have stepped over that, that line of humility and you are now living in pride. If you do not see God for who He is, and you don't see Him as the Lord of your life, then you have stepped over that line into pride. You're thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to think. David concludes this psalm, he concludes it with humility. His humility. We belong to a Heavenly Father this morning. And I love the fact 
that verses 9 and 10, verse 9 especially says that our Heavenly Father is eager to teach the humble. The humble He guides in justice and the humble He teaches His way. You remember earlier when show, teach, lead? Well, you know who God delights in showing and teaching and leading? The humble. The humble. The humble. Our problem is that we struggle acknowledging and admitting that we don't have it all figured out. Our problem is is that we, we struggle with doing things on our own, even if we know that, that it's not right. We continue to do things in our own power. Our problem is we struggle with humility. Our problem is that we want God to show and teach and lead in these certain areas in our lives. But we have these other areas in our lives that are ours. Can I give you an illustration of it? We will trust God for our eternal salvation. You understand that's a big deal. You understand that at the end of our lives, we are all going to spend the rest of our eternity in one of two places, in heaven or in hell. And we believe the Bible clearly teaches us that the only way we will spend eternity in heaven is because we have repented of our sin and we have put our faith and belief and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone. We will literally trust by faith Jesus for our eternal destination. But we won't trust Him with our bank account. Like our money. Like, especially now, our money that's literally paper. Just printed paper. There's nothing, by the way, that money you got in your pocket, there ain't nothing to back that thing up anymore. It ain't like, oh, this represents this gold that I've got in my basement. Piece of paper. Oh, we'll trust God with heaven and hell, but we won't trust God with dollars and cents. Oh, we're, we're going to give to missions. And, I mean, we, we we're asking everybody to give $100. Oh, I don't know if I can do that. But, I mean, God, you can, you can take me to heaven and not send me to hell. But, God, you, can't, you definitely can't find me that 100 bucks. God, you can take me to heaven and you can keep me out of hell. But, God, that person at work, they need extra money because of some, some treatments that they're getting. And, God, I just don't, I mean, I just don't think I can, I don't know how it's going to happen. I can't, can't trust you there. Oh, God, I can trust you for heaven and for hell, but I, I, I can't trust you. I've got to keep you out of my, my spouse, my relationship with my spouse. This is going downhill. And God, I can trust you for eternity, but I can't trust you for my marriage. God, I can trust you for eternity, but I can't trust you for a college decision I need to make. God, I, I can trust you for my marriage, but I can't trust you of whether I should continue dating this guy or, or stop dating this guy. I can trust you for my eternity, though. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It's because we have pride. It's because we've not humbled ourselves. And can I just submit to you today? This is a little, a little off here, but it's, it's fine. A little off topic. But can I submit to you today? If God can take care of your eternity, then he can take care of everything else in your life. If you can trust him for your eternity, you can trust him for your temporary. Period. No question. If you can trust him for eternity, you can trust him for today. That's anything. But that requires humility. That requires us not treating God like he's a genie. And we rub the lamp and we get three wishes. And God, whatever you do, I'm going to tell you exactly what I want you to do. And you need to do it. He ain't Will Smith. 
God ain't Will Smith, and Will Smith ain't God. Will Smith was a pretty good genie, but he ain't God. No, it's humbling ourselves. It's understanding and acknowledging that we don't have it all figured out. It's understanding that, no, God, you're not my get-out-of-jail-free card. You're not my genie that I rub and get my wishes. No, 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 no. I am humbled before you. You are the almighty Lord of the universe, and I am just a humble sinner that has been saved and become a joint heir with Christ. And I have no clue how that happened, but it did. That's what it is. Humility. Humility. As David walked through this psalm and prayed to God, praised God, and then took some time to meditate on God. I hope you found encouragement today to do that. I hope you found some encouragement today in recognizing the humbleness that we need and maybe affirming your faith or learning of God, remembering. But can I conclude with what I believe to be the most important two verses in this chunk that we've read, and that is beginning in verse 4. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. Why? For you are the God of my salvation. I made this statement earlier, and y'all know I'm done because my Bible's closing. That usually means I'm done. I made this statement earlier that we'll trust God for our eternity, but we don't. Sometimes we have a problem trusting Him for our right now. That's true. But can I say this? You'll never trust God for right now if you've not trusted Him for your eternity. Never. Try living this life without having a true, eternal Savior in Jesus. Can I say this morning, if you can't say that your eternal destination is secure in Jesus Christ in heaven this morning, that is elementary step one. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I mean that literally that is, that is step one in the Christian life. You say, yeah, but I've, I've been to church or I grew up in church or I grew up around this and I know some of the stories. And, no, 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 no. You've like, you've, you've, you're on step three and four and whatever. Step one. Step one. To acknowledge as David acknowledged that I'm a sinner. God, please, don't remember my sins. I'm a sinner. My list is long. Please don't remember my sins. That's the first step, acknowledging our sin. The second step is to acknowledge that Jesus, because of what Jesus did on the cross, God can see you without seeing your sin. What, a, what an amazing thought. Your husband can't see you without seeing your sin. Your wife can't see you without seeing your sin. Oh, and they're in, they're in the room. My kids can't see me without seeing my sin. They know they're, they're better at it than anybody. They can see it. But God can see you without your sin. And there, there's only one way. It's because when Jesus Christ died, he shed his blood. 
He paid the penalty for your sin and for my sin. He offers his blood to cover your sin. I know that if you're brand new in church, that might sound odd. He literally shed his blood and it fell. And symbolically, I believe literally, that blood was taken up and it was placed on the mercy seat and it covers your sin and my sin. But you must activate that. It is by grace. It is through faith. This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.church. Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.